Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting-edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is another episode of the Sales Pharma and Tech Podcast. And I have, well, such a great person. Her name is Yvette. We've been working with the company, you know, where she works. It's called Pharma Matching. But Pharma Matching is a part of a bigger pharma. Anyway, you know, best if like Yvette will do her own introduction. Welcome, Yvette. Yeah, thanks, Stefan. I'm really happy to like have the chance to sit here and do this podcast. You know, I have, have been communicating about this for a while now, and I think it's a great idea to get stuff started and get it out into the pharma world. So to give a summary, my person, myself, I'm actually basically quality manager. I'm a basic researcher by heart. And I've been working in startups, big pharmaceutical companies all the way up to Roche and have been doing lots of quality consultancy the past years. And the company I'm working with right now is called Zaman Pharma Support. And the product or slash tool we use, tool we offer, product we offer as AAS is called Pharmatching, as mentioned. We would love to bring actually the pharmaceutical and life science world together with that. And I think we're here to just kind of give you some feedback, me with my background, you know, being a big farmer, being in small startups, knowing the needs, the pain, the gains. So I'm really excited to talk about and also bring the sense of sales into the whole quality slash farmer world. Amazing. Yeah. So sales is a very big, very, very big and very sensitive topics for farmer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad we're going to dive into that today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you tell, tell us more, like what is farmer matching? Who's your customer yeah. you work with? Yeah. So far matching has been created a while ago. It has been on the market a few years ago, and it was actually pharmaceutical manufacturing mainly. So that meant any pharmaceutical company that is manufacturing, bit of research development. It did took off for a bit, but kind of stagnated really fast. There wasn't that much effort put into. And it totally stagnated and just kind of got lost up, lost on track. And my company, Zaman Pharma Support, took over that product a while ago and kind of redeveloped. I know Zaman Pharma Support for a while now, for a few years, working in different projects as quality managers, using and renting some of their expertise for projects or companies I worked with. We did sit down together end of 21, decided starting 22, bringing pharmaging back to the life science and pharmaceutical world. So what it does now, it is matching companies not only pharmaceutical in the sense of manufacturing, but we'd love to bring the full life cycle from literally like your startup, you need startup funding. Oh, I need external regulatory support. I need an external research development laboratory all the way up to manufacturing and distribution, kind of fulfilling the full life cycle because we did understand the need for startups, big pharmaceutical companies. So sales, I know sales is, it's a fun word, honestly, pharma, Pharmaceutical world doesn't really need sales. They also don't do mm-hmm. that much marketing. In countries, it isn't even allowed. But I would like to replace sales with outsourcing because that's what pharmaceutical companies have to do to sale is outsourcing. And that is what farm matching does. 
Amazing. So if you guys want to not sell outsource, then please go to pharma matching. Okay. So Yvette being a scientist and now transitioning mm-hmm. to marketing and sales, like how did it feel the transition, right? For you? Yeah. So being a researcher by heart, I love to learn new stuff. So for me, it was easier. But being in a team with different colleagues, different departments, I see that there's big pain because it's change, it's adjustment. For myself, of course, I'm learning. I learned a lot. Still learning. I think you always should learn. Never stop learning. It's just a bit of a different way how to address your targets, companies, your target user. And I think main important part is, as usual in life, is listen. What do they need? What do they want? And what's their pain? Awesome. So now you're like, our previous discussions were about the roles you had in pharma matching. And now the role has changed. So now you're sort of responsible for sales and and marketing. And we were just talking about Alibaba, right? That you're using, (laughs) of course. Can you talk a bit more about like your... The strategies you're using to expand your like, you know, yeah. business. Yeah, fair point. So we are not a big pharmaceutical player in the sense of thousands of staff, not that resources in a sense of go ahead and do whatever you feel like. But we also would love to be a bit more self-driven in the sense of what's possible without being dependent on, you know, having this big sales and marketing team. So we've kind of started using number one available free platforms, tools available. And Alibaba uh, always popped up in me and my colleagues' path the past years, always. Like even medical device companies use Alibaba to outsource (laughs) resources for medical device, supplements, packaging, whatever there is. And you can actually, by, by using Alibaba, filter by different categories. And they have a very, very big health healthcare, supplements, anything related to life science categories, mm-hmm. which are actually companies that are suitable for platforms. So we are doing our cold acquisition, for example, using Alibaba, setting our filters for our different target categories, and just doing some cold acquisition there. Awesome. I like the way how you guys found a turnaround to like to, you know, get to get the leads, to get the customers. That's great. And are you using any data to, like, how do you improve your sales efforts? Like, are you, what are you doing? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough with my current company to have some expert, external experts on sales. And they gave us some hints and some ideas to start off. And very important is, of course, to create your sales funnels first. And we did this. We've decided which strategies where to go to. I mean, the touchless funnel is always nice, but our cold acquisition funnel is one of our main players and this is where we came up using for example linkedin and alibaba yeah so how can you explain how you're using linkedin and alibaba together yeah so we have different scripts for example when we do cold acquisition we define our categories we filter so we look for procurement manager speaking of outsourcing and then we get our target groups and send different scripts and we'll see what the response is. Speaking of data-driven and step-by-step, step, we'll go for the scripts, number one, that go best. And then number two, even if a script goes better, but it gets us less conversion in the sense of less paying customers, 
we will also adjust and see to use a different script again. And mm -hmm. so this is how we combine data in a sense of we collect the feedback from that with the different scripts we are using. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you approach once you, let's say you, you have a, a potential client, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe or a potential lead. How do you approach like account management or mm -hmm. customer management? Yeah. Yeah. So we implemented very simple booking link. So anybody can book a free consultation call with us. And I think the magic word that comes up here, which fair, fair point, I was not aware in the past. I'm a quality person. We always qualified our provider. But what mm -hmm. we did not do past year is we never qualified our possible customers. Mm, so what okay. we've also changed is qualify, qualify your customer. Yeah. And this is kind of what we've combined and changed a little. And it's a big lesson learned. Even if you have a potential customer, if they don't qualify, you can try to sell as much as you want. They're never going to buy. Mm -hmm. How do you do the qualification? Yeah. Well, it's actually very simple. We did a whole four week of sync week learning between our departments, marketing, or even chief technical officer, us as product owners. We all sit together. And literally there's good YouTube videos out there. There's free available podcasts out there. And also taking into consideration our external consultants we just hired. And they actually said, well, does a customer have a need? If they do have a need, are they willing to change? If they have a need and they're willing to change, are they willing to spend money and time? If they still want to do that, you also have to make sure that they're the decision maker you talk to. But last not but not least, it also has to be a personal fit. Yes. So according to any data, Gartner or any organization, you will, foresters, for example, only three or 4% of your market is in mm -hmm. buying mode right now, meaning they're considering maybe your solution or any other solution. Yeah. Everyone else, 97% are not aware or they're not ready to buy now. So that's the moment yeah. when if you had, if for that 3% sales is enough, for 97%, you, you need marketing, right? And in particular, that's why uh, marketing is important in warming up and basically delivering all these like opportunities to sales. So you said sort of have a funnel there. And mm -hmm. that's the part which is, as I'm seeing, is being neglected in a lot of pharma companies. They don't use, they use very little content marketing, uh, which is, has proved very efficient to be honest in, in warming up, educating customers about like their needs, what could be the solution in the market and so on. And I'm looking forward to seeing that I've seen some good signs and different events that I've went to, and I'm looking forward to seeing more um, of those, more of those uh, content marketing strategies being actually deployed in pharma companies, okay. as, as I'm saying, it's real. Yeah, it, yep. I totally agree, Stefan, you couldn't highlight it more. <laughs> I, I have a question though. How do you, so like, I guess you're, since you're a platform, you have buyers and suppliers. So I'm thinking, what are the most yeah. current challenges you guys are facing in the maybe sales process? Like why people are not like, let's say signing up for your platform. What, you know, what impedes yeah. them? Yeah. So last year we've been to different fairs too, and we did lots of one-on-ones. We did questionnaires, one-on-one -on, -one on fairs. We did send questionnaires via email. And the feedback was that 95% did like the product, loves the solution, and would consider to sign up. 
So we were really happy end of last year. So we started our warm up. We started, you know, getting exactly even the same people plus additional to sign up. And I think less than 3% did. So that was a little step back and we were a little bit confused to be, to be fair because we literally asked these guys, is that what you need? Is there anything you're missing? The way it is, would you, would you use it? And 95% said, yes, we're interested. And I think what we did not consider what we're doing now is, were they qualified? Mm -hmm. So again, I think, I think it's a bit of, as you also mentioned, is you do have to have a strategy and it's not just sales, not just outsourcing, it's not just marketing. It's also the product market fit. And we are trying to combine all of that because we do have a product market fit. What it looks like we did not address the quantified selling portion of our market. So I think whenever somebody faces that, even though you contacted lots of people and you have 50 plus percent saying, wow, it's awesome, great product, uh, great company, great services, whatever you offer is great for me but they're still not signing up, then you either don't have the product market fit or you literally just talk to the wrong people. And we figured that was one issue with us because we did talk to procurement manager. We did talk to the departments that would need the outsourcing and they loved the product. They would need it, but they were not the ones to decide to actually bring this platform into their company. Which leads to my point. The buyer is not the user. So in pharma companies, and exactly. I think this should be framed. I'm seeing this very often happen in B2B. Your buyer very often is not a user. So you talk to the CFO, you talk to the CEO, you talk to the head of sales excellence, you talk to decision makers, C-level executives, or head office, right? And let's say the company you want to work with is in the Middle East, but they cannot take the decision in the Middle East because Everything is taken in the head office because they're centralized, right? So first yes. question is you need to ask the company that you want to work with. Okay, can they make a decision there? And that actually tells you, like, are they centralized or decentralized? Decentralized is better because you can, the people who are the buyers, most certainly they'll be also closer to your users as well. If they're centralized, okay, mm-hmm. then the buyers are different from the sellers. But the buyers, sorry, are different from the users. So you have to address in this case, the buyers separately. So the buyers, they say, you work with the, try to work with a company in Egypt. They say our EMEA office is in Berlin. So you go to, you start the discussion in Berlin, but at the same time, you have to do a lot of demos of your product, right? Here and there. And the demos are different because the users want to see, they want to have a feel of the product. They want to see a feel. How do they match this person? How many matches am I going to have? Can I outsource this part of my work, right? Can I outsource this process somewhere in China or so? Meanwhile, the buyer, I'm talking about, I was talking about the user. Meanwhile, the buyer has a different mindset. The buyer wants to, the buyer, they need financial data. They need dashboards. They need like the bigger picture, right? So the level of documentation, level of, you call Mm -hmm. it like content. Also, you can call it buyer enablement materials is much higher. It's a higher level. Mm-hmm. for the buyer. And that's why it's very important that every time you talk to a enterprise, you actually have a sort of a, basically the limitation between these two functions, which exist in an organization. Yeah. Okay. You want to add something? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree to all you've said. I actually did exactly that. Once we talked to the user, 
the department heads, procurement managers, the development, business development managers. And they were all like, oh, that's amazing. We separately talked to CEOs. They said, well, that's a great idea, but it was never possible to get them to one, just in, into one room, physically speaking, even yeah. if it's digital, at this decision. And one lesson we have also learned, as you also mentioned, one person just wants to see how fast is it, how fast do I get the result? That's the user. And the CEO, the decision maker, actually, they're just like, well, what's in for me? What does it cost? And the visualization, as you mentioned, speaking of content, it's a very big lesson we have learned and we are implementing right now in our profile. So you can add as many user in your company profile as you want. And we're now implementing, upgrading our departments within the company profile. We are creating dashboards mm. so you can filter by department Z, department Y and see what's their activities in the dashboard. And I think this will help also for, for us to have a product that's more usable, not only to the user, but only to also to the decision maker. And I think Correct. this is one big topic that Pharma does have, the, the ways from user slash the person who does need it within the company all the way up to the decision maker, the ways are way too long. Yes, it is the sales. So it's called sales cycle. Yeah. How does, long does it take to, to sell? It's like a, you know, that's a, a sales cycle is totally a marketing job and the role of marketing and pharma about any, anywhere <laughs> is to increase the sales cycle, right? So to give, that's why you have these details such as the buyer is not the seller. You know, you have examples of materials or content, content marketing that help to decrease the sales cycle, like make it shorter, right? Help people take a decision faster. Yeah. Eventually. Now, yeah. for example, in our case with platforms, we are on a plan to create a set of documents, benchmarks in the industry, because you know, like our competitors are the great Viva and EQVM, and we want to compare ourselves to them from a more flexibility standpoint. And for a second, we want to create some buyer enablement materials, such as, for example, we want to create a business case of switching from, let's say, Viva to platforms, switching from IQVA to platforms. Mm -hmm. What would be the benefit? What would be the potential timelines? And how would each mm -hmm. stakeholder in the company benefit from that? Like, let's say, this, how would the CFO benefit from us moving their solution, let's say, from their solution, which they have in a, a certain point to platforms? Now, just to wrap this up, I'm going to say that a lot of the deals in pharma, as I'm seeing, are so are not deals that you lose because you lose to a competitor, but these are deals that are like, okay, we're gonna say we're gonna stay in the same situation that we're right now. The solution we're using is bad, but you know, mm. your arguments weren't yeah. good enough. So you have you know, a lot of cases. Your enemy is not actually like in my case, like Uvio or you know, like Viva or like, but it's more like, it's more like no action at all. So people just want just stay wherever they stay. They don't change. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. we want to tackle with a buyer, like enablement by sales enablement. Is that also a case for you? Like when you talk to like your supplier, buyer, sellers, like, do you yeah. lose a lot of deals also because like people just don't want to do anything? It's... Yes. It's one of the biggest challenges wherever I've been doesn't matter how big or small the company is. The second you want to change something, 
you always get into resistance. There's this really nice valley of tears example where you have status quo and you want to get there and you have to change, but you have to dip down first. It's the valley of tears until everybody gets up and gets to the change. It's actually one of the biggest challenges wherever, whenever. And being in a regulated setting like pharmaceuticals or life science, medical device, any of them is always the hurdle. So as you mentioned, you would love to do like business case where you explain what's the business plus upsides from switching to where they're at to yours. It's actually a great idea. My recommendation is here, actually just pack it as a change request. Pharmaceuticals, they have to do a change request whenever they change anything. Mm-hmm. And if you do this change request, literally just use the word change request, and then <laughs> anyone in the pharmaceutical will like know what you're talking about. What you do is gap analysis. So what do you have? Oh. Yeah, what do you have? What do we have? What's the gap? How do we fix it? And what's needed to do so? And then also very important, highlight risks. Like what is the risk? Is there technical risks? Is there compliance risks, GDPR risks? You need to have quality agreements with all of your third-party vendors. Again, if you use your system, all of this, you can already take an advantage and put into a gap analysis, into a risk assessment, and just put all of this together because here comes the neat part. It's funny that you just mentioned that. You will take away that big chunk of work for the company, even if all of them are convinced about it. Last but not least, if they don't get the change agreed to, they will not be able to implement. So if you already implement the full change request with all of the steps, gap assessment, risk analysis, and literally at the very end, you show you save time, you save money, you will receive 20% 20 more possible customers, then you made the quality manager happy, (laughs) you made the change manager happy, you meant the decision maker happy and most likely your user already knows what's the good of the product anyways. I'm literally writing right now. I had in mind of, we run exercises with our sales, like on buyer enablement, mm-hmm. but actually I was planning to do a SWOT analysis together with them mm-hmm. for the, for the buyer on the buyer side, but gap analysis mm-hmm. is even maybe better. Thanks for the idea. You know, we're learning on this yeah. podcast. So I think that, that one is going to be great. Same here. Well, like a question, what do you do? So now it's summer, you know, like, and to be honest, like our sales numbers are not during the summer. Do you guys do anything special during the summer that, you know, will increase sales numbers or you just like sort of give up? No, we never give up. This is why I'm loving to be part of this company I'm with. Consistency, consistency, consistency. There's no rejection. Say yes or no, there's no maybe. You follow up, you keep asking, you keep sending, you keep coming back to people till they say no. And our no rate right now is low, lower than 5%. Yes, we have less than 3% currently who do actually sign up and do stuff. But that mm-hmm. means you have 90-ish percent who are potential buyer because the no comes fast. And as long as you don't have a no, you just keep going. And also very important lesson I learned myself, you might get a little frustrated, so you reach out to the next group, but you have the same statistics again, so it's not going to change anything. But if you go Mm -hmm. back to the 90, 80% from the first round, and then it's 70%, you go back and it's 60%, you go back. You did the warm up already. 
So actually it's more efficient to be consistent, go back, go back, go back, follow up, follow up, do a goodwill follow up, whatever you'd like to call it. Actually, that's the most important part. And I think this is something one can take advantage right now in a time of low. So there's not that much coming from outbound. Yeah, from, sorry, coming in, inbound. So mm -hmm. the best thing we, we do right now is perfect time for follow-up. You're busy in active sales cycles. Slow times like these are very perfect to actually go back to your old contact. They are okay. already warmed up a little. So actually it's easier with them, yeah, to get the warm to the hot than the cold to the hot, right? So. Yeah, awesome. So it's time, the perfect time. Dear listeners, please listen. <laughs> As Yvette is saying, it's the perfect time for follow-up. So that's what you guys do in December, probably January, you know, and during summer when your sales numbers are low. Okay, question. How do you, do? You, is there anything you guys do to stay, or you personally do to stay up to date with the latest sales technologies, tools, you know, mm -hmm. techniques? Yeah. So I think with my niche, with my segment I'm working in, I'm very fortunate that platforms like LinkedIn do most of the work already. So I think for me, it's an easier game to put it the least wording. There's so great tools. There's so great postings. There's so great groups to just follow. Stefan, by just getting on, you know, getting in touch last year, I just kind of hopped on you. I followed you. I'm following your links. I'm fo following your likes. I'm following your tagging. And <laughs> I grew my LinkedIn group from, I think it was 700 and now I'm at 1,400. Nice. So actually, it's not that much work or money that one needs to invest. Again, it's consistency and just, you know, follow the, in this case, which I normally don't like, but follow the flow, you know, go with everybody else as long as they go in the direction you like. Yeah, correct. So co consistency be beats everything, you know? Yeah. Consistency. Yeah, there was a, I think there is this movie about the founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc, and he used to listen to this CD where, or it was actually like, a, you know, a CD. I think they had CD already at that time. And where the speaker was talking about, it was like saying the talent, there are a lot of people who have talent that have wasted it. There are a lot of very strong people who are not flexible enough, but you know, consistency, consistency is the key to becoming successful. So <laughs> I believe, I believe consistency works in pharma too, right? And it worked for you, right? Growing your group. Okay, I have maybe back some two more questions for you. So, you know, there is a lot of like talk about AI in pharma, ChatGPT, yada, yada, yada. Like where, where do you guys, where do you stand? Where does the company stand on, on that? Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. So our management has sent out notifications, Teams chats at least once a week where they actually emphasize for us to sign up. They have created department ChatGTP4 accounts. And they're like, here's your account for your department. Here's your ChatGTP4 paid version for your department, for your. Take an hour a week at least. Play around. Try it. See what you can do. And a second magic word for sales is automation. So anybody who's not using automation in a sense of AI, well, I think we all will see in a few years that this train left the station. If you're still there at the station, you know why. 
Is it going to replace everything? Of course it's not, but it's going to replace, it's going to replace things that we did not think of. And it's of course supporting stuff that it already does. Speaking of content, it is very useful. I mean, we also recognize it gets a bit dumber. Fair point. I mean, it's all been all over the news that it seems to get a bit more dumbed down. But I think that's not the system. That's the user. Fair, Fair play. But the second thing is don't believe everything. I think that's the big difference between pharma and non-regulated. You can't just take the word for granted. You have to validate so one thing that we are doing right now is excessively using AI, speaking of ChatGPT, but we are automating, we are having test systems and we are validating. Yeah, we have a big department that supports computer system validations. And mm-hmm. this is what we do. Don't just take it all for granted. Don't take the word as it is. Validate, re-question. And I think this is something that people might underestimate if they want to bring something to pharma. As mentioned of the change request, gap assessment, risk analysis. This is all like part of the ISO 9001. You have to have this management system and you have to have risk management. And if you don't tackle the risk of AI, not even having that single risk assessment, you will never get a foot into. But if somebody presents content generated by AI, which we validated. We considered GDPR. We considered validating the sources. If you bring these wordings and the summary into any communication, outsourcing with pharma, it will always have an open ear. I agree. Yeah. There are people who are looking at how the world is changing and there are people who are changing the world, right? So I think pharma has to adapt yeah. AI for good or for the Okay, yeah. cool. I have my last question for you. So what would be the advice for pharma companies, like if it was about business? Well, I mean, there's lots of advice, lots of different business. If I would say business development in a sense of sales slash outsourcing, the ways have to change. Farm matching got a nice boost when there was COVID. Let's be honest, because they had to outsource really fast. Yeah. Like physical lines were cut, countries were shut down. They had to find another provider. It did work. It did work very nicely. And I'm honestly scared that everybody stood back. They even went back, it feels like one step further back. Okay. Towards outsourcing. It was way better. COVID was good for that. It forced them to change. And I hope that, you know, just a little fluctuation. We are all just humans. Emotions always go in a roller coaster. Speaking of the Valley of Tears, I hope that next year, latest, also Pharma will recognize that outsourcing, agility, digital outsourcing, being more open to changing the way of how you outsource, that this will just bring a boost, flexibilities, and it will just broaden up lots of horizons. Again, this is why farm matching would be very supportive, but I myself as a person, independent of, independently of farm matching, I'm also a customer, I'm also a patient. I also wish for the future and for pharmaceutical companies, life science companies, medical device companies, the more they are agile. Gotcha, of course. The more modern they are, the more transparent they are, the better for everyone. 
Cool. Thank you, Yvette, for the podcast. It was a great opportunity to listen to you. We, I really want to do the podcast with you maybe half a year from now. And maybe there's going to be like new learnings. I'm sure there's going to be new learnings. But for now, I'd like to thank you very much. Bye. Thanks.